0: Hello and welcome to Red Barn Radio. I'm Brad Becker. This is season number 19 of Red Barn Radio, and tonight is show number 708. Red Barn Radio, Roots Music, Southern Style. This evening we bring to the Red Barn stage J.D. Wilkes, an American musician, visual artist, author, filmmaker, and self-proclaimed Southern Surrealist. Welcome J.D. Wilkes and his guest Miranda Ricks-Hayes to Red Barn Radio.
1: Thanks to WEKU, Red Barn Radio's official radio partner, NPR for Central and Eastern Kentucky. Listen online at weku.org. Red Barn Radio is supported by Visit Lex, Lexington, Kentucky's Convention and Visitors Bureau. More information on what Lexington has to offer is at VisitLex.com. LexArts, Lexington, Kentucky's Arts Council creating a great American city inspired by the arts. On the Red Barn
0: stage tonight is J.D. Wilkes. J.D. has recorded with such artists as Merle Haggard, Shamika Copeland, Mike Patton, and Hank Williams III. His latest solo album is Fire Dream. Perhaps best known as the founder of the legendary Shack Shakers, he also published in 2017 his first novel, The Vine That Ate the South, which NPR's Michael Schaub called... Undeniably, one of the smartest, most original Southern Gothic novels to come along in years. We got some great music and conversation coming up for you tonight on Red Barn Radio. Welcome back to the Red Barn stage, J.D. Wilkes and fellow musical traveler Miranda Ricks Hayes.
1: Please welcome Red Barn Radio's host, Brad Becker.
0: Hey folks, we got Colonel J.D. Wilkes in the house tonight. J.D. Wilkes is from Paducah. He's a visual artist, a songwriter, obviously, a great player, author, filmmaker. We are so glad to have you back with us, J.D. You were here with the uh, The Dirt Daubers daubers last time. J.D. is with his good friend Miranda Ricks-Hayes, who's playing the modified washtub bass. It's actually a Rubbermaid brand, washtub bass. Do you have a Rubbermaid endorsement? (laughs) uh, (laughs) I
2: wish. (laughs)
0: Ad, were you uh, actually born in Paducah?
3: No, I was born in uh, Baytown, Texas, uh, by, uh, but my parents are from Kentucky more or less, uh, Paducah area, and my dad was just down there for a job, and uh, I happened to get born in Texas, so we came right back to Kentucky after that. Your
0: earliest memories are not of Texas, then, they are of Kentucky.
3: What's interesting is my dad was a folky beatnik guy that would go to those festivals. Supposedly, in my memory bank somewhere, if I was to go under hypnosis, I could recall us going to a Lightning Hopkins performance at a Texas blues festival down there. So... I don't have any real memory of that, but uh, it's in there somewhere.
0: Well, you're in luck. We have a hypnotist in the house tonight. Let's <laughs> oh. go and see some lightning, Hopkins.
3: <laughs> Just don't make me cluck like a chicken. My parents met at Murray State University. They were art students, and uh, oh, I think my dad know? was the only like beatnik in Marshall County at the time. You know, like I think you could get killed for being a beatnik back then. <laughs> They met there in the art department and uh, got married very quickly, and he got a job in Texas, and I got born down there. We came back to uh, Paducah, the western Kentucky, and most of my life has been spent around there, McCracken so County.
0: They're art students. They were progressive.
3: Yeah, they were, yeah. They, my mom was the first, supposedly the first lady to wear a miniskirt in Paducah, so they were really pushing the envelope back then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did they play some fun... Music for you in They're the not, house? Well, from- my mom
3: uh, actually played piano around the house, classical music, red sheet music, uh, classical music, show tunes, Disney tunes, a gospel hymn. So there's a lot of music in the house because of her. And I'd sit next to her and sing, you know, that's my earliest memories of music. Hmm. And uh, I think I had a kazoo. All right. <laughs> I've but- upgraded to a harmonica, though, since.
0: Can you tell folks who are listening a little bit about Paducah?
3: Well, Paducah is in uh, the Jackson Purchase section of western Kentucky, extreme redheaded stepchild area of Kentucky. It's in McCracken, Kansas county, county seat. It is named after Chief Paduke, who may or may not have existed, but there was a Paduke tribe of uh, Choctaw Indians, I believe. They basically ran him out of there. Paducah, I think, settled in Mississippi later on. And I think he laughed about the whole thing anyway because he's like, yeah, take it. You can have it. (laughs) (laughs) It's very swampy, prone to flooding. But I love it. It's my home for the most part. I've grown up most of my life there. And for for, uh, better or for worse, I I do love uh, Paducah. It's got a lot of history there. And it's where the four rivers come together the Cumberland the Ohio the Tennessee and the Mississippi yeah very beautiful uh, especially if you're into camping and boating and stuff like that so I think the uh, the river industry keeps that town alive
0: Did you come to harmonica was your first touch with that instrument yeah. playing blues
3: no uh my grandpa gave me my first harmonica he was an antique dealer uh, kind of an american picker before the term came about but he was like what they do on that show he goes around and buys out people's barns and and would bring home all kinds of cool stuff so i had an antique harmonica that he gave me and it was from pre-world war ii and no telling how many People had played it before it went into my mouth, so it tasted terrible. But I learned to play a couple of tunes like Swanee River and folk tunes, you know, like that first. And then I discovered my dad's blues records like Lightning Hopkins and Muddy Waters and started hearing harmonica on that Mm. stuff and learned how to play cross harp later, probably about 14 years old.
0: What would be the harmonica version of like a fret job, like a guitar's need need to be refretted? Do you have you to? You throw
3: re- it in the garbage can. That's. <laughs> what, <laughs> although nowadays they're cost up to fifty bucks for a disposable instrument like that. I do try to keep them in working order, but you need like surgical tools to get in there and clean them up and and even. Uh, you can kind of shave the the filings off of some of the reeds you know but it's like taking a goldfish to the vet the expensive chromatic ones you want to take care of is those are like a couple hundred bucks but really these things are very uh, expensive now too i don't know what's going on but i try to get as much out of them as i can you can go to cracker barrel and buy these things i mean it's just uh it's a toy instrument really
0: Old time music grip you and and when?
3: Well, I always was into blues first, and singing in church was close to that in a way back then when they still sang hymns and things. And my dad's records that I kind of inherited was my internet in a way. Uh, He had done a lot of the research for me Mm -hmm. when he was a teenager, and so I inherited all this knowledge uh, just in this box. (laughs) And I didn't really get into like mountain music or anything like that until much later. When I discovered that it, it has a lot of blues in it, too, like bluegrass does. And I think I was burning out on playing in punk rock clubs and things like that. I came up for air and did a little fact-finding junket across Kentucky, writing a book about barn dances, which was the first book I wrote, just as sort of a, what do you call it when you take, a sabbatical. It's like a sabbatical, or like I just wanted to get back to basics, and by... Uh, traveling around these little jamborees and things, I really started getting bit by the bug to uh, learn banjo, and which I'd been messing with anyway. It was a combination of uh, that needing to come up for air and get back to basics, and discovering Doc Boggs and Roscoe Holcomb and things mm-hmm. like that, that uh, Smithsonian had recorded, that made me go, oh, wow, this goes right in hand with my rockabilly stuff, too. You know, it's all country music and blues.
4: You know, hobos are my heroes. They don't ever pay no bills. Lord, they like to ride around rolling down them rusty rails. Well, take a gander. There's a rambler with a stogie and a stitchy brim. And his spit shine shoes. He's looking sharp for the shape he's in. Switch yard with a loaded forty-four You hear that high lonesome call And the wild had in the morn Lord that's it the freight train whistle hither and hobo Can't you come The Tennessee farmer to his only grandson come on to me and I'll lift you up to see the bulls in the barley the cows in the corn the sheep in the fields and the ducks by the shore Sheep in the fields and the ducks by the shore
1: back with Red Barn Radio after this break Red Barn Radio roots music southern style we'll be right back Welcome back. Red Barn Radio, recorded live from the Arts Place Performance Hall in Lexington, Kentucky. Roots Music, Southern Style.
0: folks who listen to this program have heard conversations about the banjo coming to us from Africa Mm -hmm. still the image of the banjo well before Rhiannon Giddens right Mm -hmm. it's always in the hands of a white guy in a bluegrass a roll time context is it not Mm -hmm. an instrument that has been embraced by the culture that gave it
3: Yeah, I think that has to do a lot with urbanization, modernization, the birth of pop culture and movies and things like that, that sort of uh, socializes us into certain concepts over time. And as uh, black folks brought over the gourd banjos and played them, and it was blues that was getting played on a lot of it. It was like a blues instrument. I can't remember the original African banjo name. And then over time, as things urbanize and you have pop culture and the Grand Ole Opry and things like that, uh, the 20th century in a nutshell is it is started off one way and wound up like in this space age era of misconceptions and, and you know, in good ways and bad ways. And I yeah. think that's one of the bad ways, actually. Did you learn
0: to play some from Lee Sexton?
3: I did. I, I went out to see him twice. Lee and,
0: is from uh, Letcher County.
3: Mm-hmm, Line Fork. And I went out to the schoolhouse there. Campbell's Branch. I'm not sure if he's doing that anymore because of the way things are now. Do you know how old Lee is now? I think he's 91 or 2. I think he turned 90 mm. not that long ago. But he's still playing. From what I've heard last, uh, he's he's still at it. But I think there, you know, it has to be careful with the quarantine going on. Can you show us sort of like what, what you learned from him in terms of your technique? I went there to get drop thumb claw hammer lessons. But he had gotten bit by a raccoon getting it out of the trap and couldn't do that anymore. So he had switched ah. over to a what do you call a Kentucky two finger. So you're just using these two. Thumb and middle. Yeah, I think he uses his his pointy finger, but I I, I, I like the middle finger. And so he'll do You can get a roll out of it. Trying to do the pointy finger. It's just basically a roll with two fingers.
0: And do you play with a lot of different styles? You I've got the picks too. on
3: today, which is hard to claw hammer, but... That'd be like a drop thumb. Yeah. And then this same thing, two fingers. And then sometimes I'll throw in a three-finger roll if I'm in standard tuning, you know. Because I got various lessons from different old-timers when I was writing that book. And some of them played bluegrass, and some of them played old time, and I kind of mash up a lot of what I learned into my own style.
0: that you ended up going to murray state for art as did your dad
3: i enjoyed it i got a kick out of murray Uh, i thought it was a great art department i had already gotten my uh associates degree from the community college in paducah so i only had was there for maybe two or two and a half years at murray but what i got out of it was great i I took a lot of uh weird electives and kept it interesting for myself i didn't box myself in and i went there to learn and you know, like what a university ought to be for, you know, and uh, yeah. I commuted, so I w- didn't really get sucked into uh, too much debt and uh, too much partying either, even though the Shack Shakers was born out of Murray State University with uh, two other art majors and uh, a physics major and a forget the music major, I believe. We have started playing uh, frat parties and had to go across the border down to the Purrier, Tennessee, where it was a wet county, and play down there in those honky-tonks, so we cut our teeth in those places. Huh. the old-fashioned way the only thing missing was the chicken wire in some of them Murray I'm glad I went you know at the time I was like oh I just want to go to Nashville and go ahead and get started with music but uh, I'm glad uh, I met the guys I did and because I don't know what I would have done down in Nashville without them huh. yeah took a lot of drawing and uh, printmaking I cartooned for the paper well uh, I learned how to ride for creative writing and uh, it was just anything that interested me you know uh, just like, that'd be neat. I, I'm gonna take that class, you know? Yay.
0: Interesting for me to hear about folks like you who have so many different directions you like to go and so many different Mm -hmm. mediums. You have so many different ways to
3: express the variety of things that Mm -hmm. interest you. How do you stay focused? The way I see it, it's all the same thing. It's just different ways of going about it. You have to learn good enough. I'll put that in quotes. You got to learn good enough the discipline or the craft of whatever the medium is. They all abide by the same kind of storytelling and time, there's an arc to writing comics and writing a book or writing a song or doing a, a, a documentary or a film, writing those books. They all kind of abide by the same principles of grab their attention, pull them along, have it kind of swell in the middle, and just rooster tail your way out of it. I apply that to all those forms of art. you just got to learn the ins and outs of it. It's not confusing for me.
0: So a lot of times the projects that you have going on are are sort of overlapping.
3: Yeah, they do. And they're all coming from the same universe in a way, even though they're they're expressed in different ways, of course. Hmm. So just the things that fascinate me, and I try to put a frame around those in different mediums in different ways. So, you know, keep people guessing, you know.
5: We're going to sing a Hezekiah Jenkins song, uh, it was written in the depression era, the first depression, and uh, we changed it a little bit for the current depressive state of things. <laughs>
2: like to know and if they don't do something in the by and by well the rich will live and the poor will die dog gone the pandemic is on well all landlords don't raise the rent
1: folks that ain't
2: broke is badly been and where they get the dough from goodness knows but if you don't produce it on the street you go dog Gone, the pandemic is on. I seen some women selling apples, some women selling pies, and some are selling the gin and their rice. Some are selling socks to support their man. In fact, some are selling everything they can, dog. Oh, gone, the pandemic is on. Well, I've sold my shoes and my everything. I sold my jewelry, my watch and my ring I sold my razor and my gun And if luck don't change, there'll be some stealing and dog. gone, the pandemic is on Yeah, that old CV blues ruined everything That's why I'm forced to sing Toss me nickels, spare me dime So we can all raise a glass of beer or wine together Doggone, the pandemic is on Yeah, that old CV blues ruined everything That's why I'm forced to sing Toss me a one, five, ten dollar bill So we all got something to warm the chill Doggone
5: you
3: didn't know <laughs> it's all stuff that I uh, remember from being a kid and having nice memories of, about some people maybe don't have great memories of scary stories that their grandma told them but I always thought you know they, I always loved a good ghost story or good superstition or saying or something like that and then I just noticed them kind of slowly all disappearing getting uh, replaced by pop culture Versions of it. I love Lord of the Rings and stuff like that, and uh, but that's sort of like old Anglo-Saxon folklore. I say, well, we have our own kind of folklore down in the South, you know, like if you add up all the, you know, boogeymen and Bigfoots and Bell Witch and stuff like that, we have our own cast of characters that we could sort and novel in and have people go on a journey and discover I just thought that uh, it was like a glaring omission. Uh, It's like, you know, you bring this stuff up. It's like, oh, yeah, my grandma used to tell me that. Yeah, we laughed at her. It's like, no, that was great. I always thought that stuff was fascinating, and I wanted to hear more. But everybody has that thing that they heard when they were a kid about whatever boogeymen, like Boo Radley kind of stuff. uh, That Everyone had a Boo Radley in the neighborhood or uh, or just... uh, A quirky saying your grandpa used to say, don't you miss that, you know, because that's all going away. ¶¶
4: children so lost dwell not in the caves of your mind
0: J.D. Wilkes this evening on Red Barn Radio, and he is accompanied by Miranda Ricks-Hayes. Tell us about you and how you happened to meet up with J.D.
5: Well, um, I'm from Toronto, Canada. I met J.D. in Rotterdam, <laughs> the Netherlands. I was living over there uh, studying contemporary dance, and short story is I got injured, couldn't dance anymore, but I had a banjo with me, learned to play, got really obsessed with banjo, and we met because we're <laughs> banjo nerds. Um, <laughs> And I've got a band over there with two other gals. Shelly Ricky is the one who constructed this, I think, a pretty good-sounding piece of junk. The Morning Glories is Morning what we're called Glories. with the M-O-U-R. And uh, because of COVID, I can't be over there. We're sort of travel bands. So we're making it work with the two of us and learning new instruments and playing new songs. And
0: Is the, the Morning Glories, are they based there then?
5: We're based in Rotterdam, the Netherlands. But I'm Canadian. One of the other gals is American as well. And, uh, and the other gal is from France. Bye. Mm-hmm.
2: brand new VA4
0: We'd like to thank J.D. Wilkes and Miranda Ricks-Hayes for being with us this evening on Red Barn Radio. We also thank our volunteers and staff for their help in making our production happen each and every week. Thank you all for listening to our webcast, watching us on YouTube and Twitch, and those listening to us on the Red Barn network of stations. Red Barn Radio comes to you from our home, the Arts Place Performance Hall in downtown Lexington, Kentucky. Our website has updates and further information on all of our guests in our program. We're on the web at redbarnradio.com. And now once again, folks, please welcome back J.D. Wilkes to the Red Barn stage.
1: Thanks to W.E.K.U., Red Barn Radio's official radio partner. NPR for Central and Eastern Kentucky. Listen online at WEKU.org. Support for Red Barn Radio also comes from LexArts, Lexington, Kentucky's Arts Council, creating a great American city inspired by the arts. And visit Lex, Lexington, Kentucky's Convention and Visitors Bureau. More information on what Lexington has to offer is at visitlex.com. Red Barn Radio's executive producer is Ed Commons, who also directs our show. The music for this episode was mixed by Adam Schedinger. The Red Barn Radio playout theme, Wookie Foot, was taken from a live performance of The Wooks here on Red Barn Radio. WookoutAmerica.com. Red Barn Radio. Roots music, Southern style the best music from the roots of the South and sharing this music with the world. Thanks so much for listening. I'm the voice of Red Barn Radio, Tom Brown. Red Barn Radio is a production of Red Barn Radio, LLC.